Well, New Hope Church, it is so great to see you on this Palm Sunday. We're not having fun here today, all right? Can we just give it up to our Lord for his kindness to us? What a fun day. Uh, my name is Matthew. For those of you who may be guests here today, this is so great. I had a couple guys come up to me after our last worship service. Uh, they came up. I introduced myself. I hadn't seen them before. I said, I'm Matthew. I looked at one of them. I said, what's your name? Matthew. Oh, great. I gave him a hug. I said, well, this is great. Matthew and Matthew. I looked at the other. I said, what's your name? He goes, Matthew. <laughs> so, oh, three of us right here. Three Matthews. We took a selfie. I mean, this is great. All right. So uh, my name is Matthew. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited to be with you. Uh, if you're part of our online community, welcome to New Hope Church right here in the Minneapolis area. Uh, we're having a great day uh, celebrating Palm Sunday, and it's good to be with you. A couple things here before we get started into our, our time in this love letter called the Bible is uh, we've got some new members here at New Hope Church. This is so fun. And so uh, some of them are right here in the room here today. If you're a new member, would you stand up? I think, I think you guys are still here. Yeah, we got uh, the nest is over here. Back here in the back. Can we just give it up for, for our friends here today? Thank you. God bless you guys. It's great to be with you. And uh, here in just a minute, I want to pray uh, for you guys. And, uh, but let me also mention a couple of other things. Uh, speaking of of just kids and fun and family. This Wednesday night, as part of Holy Week festivities, we have our Easter Jam. Uh, it's gonna start, I think, at 5.15. It's downstairs, Easter Jam. It's gonna be so much fun. And I'm really eager uh, to, to be with you as little boys and girls and moms and dads and grandparents and everyone else comes and we just have a great time celebrating Jesus together as a big family. So that's Easter Jam uh, this coming Wednesday night. Also, of course, and we'll talk more about this again later, uh, toward the end of the week, on the weekend, we've got Good Friday uh, to come together and celebrate, or commemorate rather, the Lord's death, and then on Easter Sunday morning, his resurrection. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait to be part of that with you. I'd like to ask you to pray with me right now, and uh, let's, let's uh, bless our friends that are our new members. Uh, let us uh, thank the Lord for his care for us. And uh, we'll give attention to some other things as well. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that you are a mighty and kind and joyful God who has power to change our lives through Christ to set us free from sin and its penalty, to give us forgiveness and hope. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who knits our hearts together as one big family. Lord God, we thank you for these new members. We praise your name that uh, you continue to bring folks our way and that we get to be with them and walk uh, with you, that we get to move toward Jesus and take others with us together. And we pray for your blessings upon them, that they would have a feeling sense of your love and of your care and of the ways in which you delight in them. Lord God, we praise you for our boys and girls here in our church and for their families and for the ways you are ministering to them and, and reaching them and, and, and for those who are coming to know Jesus as Savior and those who are getting an imagination for walking with him all their days. We praise you that we can celebrate your son Jesus, our Savior, who comes and, and brings salvation as the promise of old says. Lord, we have so many good things to celebrate, but we also know that these can be hard days and we would be remiss, Father, if we didn't remind you and ourselves of what happened in Nashville this past week. 
we grieve, we lament, and we cry. And God of heaven, we pray for the families impacted by this nightmare. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would give local and state and federal leaders a new kind of vision for getting ahead of these things, God. Make it so. Bless our political leaders and give them fortitude to do right things and not just talk. God of heaven, would you meet us now as we spend time in your word? Because here's what I know is true. You want to meet every single one of us. You have a word for every single one of us. And so God, as we spend time here these next few minutes, would you meet us and show us your love, show us your glory, show us Jesus. And all God's people said together, amen, amen. Well, friends, uh, this is Palm Sunday as we've already established. And uh, what a great day this is. Christians all over the world are celebrating the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, humble king, bearing salvation on the back of that donkey as the prophet Zechariah foretold. And uh, what a great thing it is for us to be able to celebrate and give witness to. But what I'd like to do for the next little bit is actually step back from that. I want to invite you to go with me a few days before Palm Sunday. I want to invite you to go with me a few days before Palm Sunday. And, and what we're going to be doing is, is not watching Jesus move into Jerusalem triumphantly. We're going to watch him leave the oldest city in the world, the city of Palms, Jericho, we're going to watch him leave that city quietly but powerfully. So we're not watching him head into Jerusalem. We're watching him leave Jericho. And as he's leaving Jericho, he has a moment with someone whose life was completely changed. A certain man who called out to this Jesus, and Jesus asks him, a probing question and it is a question that changed this man's whole life and let me tell you it is a question that can change your life too are you hearing me it's a question for you as well now before we get into it though before we get into it I need to share a simple story a little bit of personal history some years ago some years ago I was greatly discouraged I was overcome with all kinds of grief, layers of grief. I found myself reeling from a lot of loss, dealing with a lot of shame, and my soul was spent. Any of you ever feel that way? Your soul's just spent, relationally, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, you're just tired. Any of you? Any of you? Yeah, I see some hands raising and people nodding. Oh, that's where I was. That was me. And I know that that is some of you. I know it is. Right here in this room, those of you who are joining us from somewhere else right now, I know this, that's your story too, or has been, or will be. Well, in the midst of this, I went to see a counselor. And I'm with this counselor. Krista and I are with 
this person, and the person's listening to my story, and he says to me, he says, Matthew, I want you to do something. I want you to go into God's word. I want you to go to that place where Jesus asks a probing question of a broken man. I want you to go to Jericho. And I want you to hear the question, listen to me now, hear the question that Jesus asks that man, but then I want you to imagine that instead of asking that man that question, now he's asking you that question. And I want you to hear the question, weigh the question, and then I want you to come up with an answer, a thoughtful answer, and then you come back and let's talk about it. Well, the place he sent me was Mark chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, look there with me, Mark chapter 10. And uh, so if your Bible is uh, digital, just uh, click on your app, bring up, scroll down, find, find Mark, click on that, Go to the number 10, click on that, and then scroll down to, to verse 46. If you have a hard copy of your Bible, just turn right there. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And, and by the way, you'll see it here on the screens as well. Listen carefully as I, as I read from the Gospel of Mark this poignant passage. Jesus and the disciples came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho, now by the way, Jericho is east of Jerusalem. So if you leave Jerusalem and you head east, you go over the mountains and you go down into a deep valley and there's Jericho right along the Jordan River. As I said a moment ago, it's one of the oldest cities in the world. <laughs> and on this Palm Sunday, it, it, it's the city of palms. That's, that's what it's called. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd... Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many, or rather, and Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus and Jesus said to him, here's the question. What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, Bartimaeus recovered his sight and followed Jesus on the way. Now friends, this is the word of God. Are we not thankful for God's word? This is such a gift to us, amen? It's the word of God. 
And this passage is full. There are a lot of things in these verses here. Let me share with you just a few simple observations that might help us here. And here's one observation. Check out Bartimaeus. Check this man out. Look at Bartimaeus. Here he is. He is blind. He's begging. He's on the side of the road. This is a man that I imagine lives his life fairly desperate, marginalized, and perhaps dealing with a lot of shame. And you know what? That is the story of some of us as well. Shame, marginalized, down and out, desperate, discouraged. Now you may say, well, I don't have a physical blindness like Bartimaeus, but your vision for what the future looks like might be limited. You may say, well, I'm not a beggar. Right, really? How often in the quiet moments are you just crying out, begging God for relief? Longing for something to give somewhere so that the pain, the discomforts, and the challenges might get easier or go away. And you may say, well, I'm not sitting on the side of the road. Really? But maybe you're sidelined by your family, by your colleagues at work. Maybe at the end of the day, if you're really honest, the place you're most familiar with is sitting on the curb, the metaphorical curb, in the shadows, hiding. Now, Bartimaeus is clever. He puts himself on one of the primary thoroughfares in that area, knowing that a lot of people are coming and going. And so, for a beggar, that's probably a fairly good place to sit. But at the end of the day, you know what? They might throw some coins into his cup, but the bottom line, he's like a pebble in the pathway for most of those people. And that's how some of us feel. That's how some of you feel right now. I know it. Discarded, forgotten, sidelined, down and out, limited vision, discouraged, weary. I know. And that was Bartimaeus' story. Well, then check out the crowd. Check out the crowd. Bartimaeus is crying out. He, he gets wind that Jesus is coming. He perks up. Son of David! Have, have mercy on me. The crowd, they come to him and they say to him, shut up. Be quiet. Don't say anything. Hush your mouth. And let me tell you, this right here, this is gaslighting 101 right here. Because what they're communicating to Bartimaeus is, you don't matter. Your story doesn't matter. You keep quiet. You're disturbing the important guy. So you sit there in silence. You don't deserve his attention. And, and they may not say it, but many of them feel it. You probably brought this situation on yourself anyway. Now, I'll tell you straight up, friends, hear me now. I really relate to Bartimaeus and his story of, of despair and discouragement. I really do. 
And I think some of you do too, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But let me also say something here. As much as I relate to Bartimaeus, you know who I'm most like? I'm most like the crowd. Self-righteous and talking down to people. Oh, no, wait a minute. I don't talk down to people. Because, and you don't either, mostly, because you and I, we're too sophisticated for that. So what we do is we think down to people. And you know it. You know it as well as I do. We think down to people. We never say it because that would be ungodly. But for heaven's sakes, the things I think in my mind about this person or that and the ways I denigrate her or him because they don't do things the way I think they should be doing them. Because they don't think like I do, look like I do, act like I do. Or whatever it is, and this might be family, it might be a colleague, it might be a, a neighbor. I say, I'm a whole lot more like the crowd and, and my suspicion is you might be too. And what we want to do is, is tell the people around us to shut up, to be quiet, don't mess with things. Well, that's the crowd. Well, check out, check out Bartimaeus yet again. Because the crowd comes to him and they're putting him in his place. You be quiet. Don't you say a word. Don't bother him. But here's what, the, here's what Bartimaeus does. He gets up and he yells louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. All right, I'm going to nerd out with you for just a moment here. In, in the ancient language, in the Greek text, the first time he says it, it is what's called a, a, um, a present tense verb. And so it, it's, it's earnest, it means something. The second time he says it, it's called an imperfect verb. And what that means is he's repeating it over and over and over again. Now the crowd has lit a fire under him. It's as if he's saying, you can't tell me to be quiet. And he stands up, hey, you, son of David, have mercy on me. He's over and over and over again. He's yelling it. He's calling out. He will not give up. He is persistent. He's persistent. And guess what? Check out Jesus. Jesus hears him. And by the way, listen to me now. Jesus always hears you when you cry out to him. Church, he always hears you. He never turns a deaf ear your way. And he doesn't for Bartimaeus. And so, with his voice rising above the shouting down of the crowd, Jesus stops, turns. Hey, hey bring, bring him up here. Bring him up here. And Bartimaeus is escorted. You've got to notice the crowd here. I want you to pay attention to this. This is subtle, but it's important. The crowd a moment ago was like, you be quiet. Don't you say a word. Don't you bother him. And now look at the crowd. Oh, the teacher would like to have you. Let us help you. I mean, talk about fickle. And what I'm reminded of is this. So many voices in my life and in your life at the end of the day are fickle. And they don't want anything other than what you can do for them to meet them in their insecurities and in their immaturity. And you know what? Hear me. Most of the time, those kind of voices have no idea what they're talking about. They just want to use you. And that's the way it was with these people. Zech, uh, uh, Bartimaeus was a, an inconvenience to them. He was potentially messing with their, their parade. 
And now, oh, 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 wait a minute, Jesus wants him. Well, now they're going over to him and patronizing him. At the end of the day, it's all about them, not, not Bart. And that's the way it is, and you and I need to be mindful of this. It's the way it is among too many of the voices in our own lives. Often, the naysayers, the challenges, and the things, or the, the, the people that want to undermine you, it's really about them, not you. Don't forget it. Jesus calls him, come, bring him up here. And, and Bartimaeus gets up and the crowd escorts him up to the front of the line. And there he is right there, face to face with Jesus. And then the question, what do you want me to do for you? Now, we read Bartimaeus' response, and I commend it to you. You can go back and look at it. I, I would encourage you to do so, but, but what I want to do for our purposes today is not focus so much on Bartimaeus' response, but your response. What would your response be? What would it be for you if you're the one standing there and Jesus is right there? What would be your response? You'll see here on the screen uh, these questions. I want you to, to join me in just absorbing them for a minute. That's why I wanted to write them up and put them up here for you. Here we go. I want you to notice these. What do you want me to do for you, child? How can I help you? What do you need? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? What do you want me to do for you, child? How can I help you? What do you need? Now, implied in this, implied in this, actually, before we go further, let's just say this together. Can, can we do that? Let's see if we can be louder than the kids were. Let, let's just let's say this together. Ready? What do you want me to do for you, child? How can I help you? What do you need? Now, the implication of these questions is that Jesus has power to change us. That Jesus has authority to do something remarkable. That Jesus has capacity to make something new in our lives. To redeem, to refresh, to replenish, to restore. Jesus can do that. And that's, that is the implication of the question Jesus asks. It's as if he's saying, test me. Take me to task and let me show you my glory. Let me show you what I can do. Are you willing to have an answer to my question? Bartimaeus recognized Jesus was the Christ. That's what's implied in his statement, son of David. It is a declaration that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. And boy, that, that has power right there. We talked about this last weekend. You may recall from, from our time last weekend uh, as we're going through this series, Questions God Asks, and we're looking at these questions that, that the Lord asks 
uh, the people uh, you know, throughout the, the, the scope of Scripture. And, and so we talked about what Christ means. And I gave you a definition. I want to give it to you again. You'll see it right here. By Christ, we mean the prophet, priest, and king. Listen to this. Chosen and anointed by God to redeem sinners, uh, sinners and make all things new. And so this is the Jesus that is standing before Bartimaeus. He's the one that makes all things new. He's the one that has power to change lives, to redeem sinners, to restore. And certainly that's the case. What Bartimaeus doesn't know, but Jesus, of course, knows, is within several days' time, Jesus would be dead on a cross. His blood shed to pay for sin and its penalty. And then he would rise from the dead. And you know the story. And so it is, so it is, uh, right after he leaves Jericho, uh, Jesus and his entourage go westward, up over the mountains, and eventually into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey. There's Jesus, the humble king, bringing salvation. As the week unfolds, this Jesus, this sinless Jesus, is betrayed by a friend. Right? You know this. Betrayed by a friend, arrested by the authorities, tried by a bunch of religious prudes, and then tortured, crucified, left for dead on a Roman cross. And there he bled to wash away our sins. Then, three days later, he rose from the dead, triumphant, alive. And then he ascended into the heavenly places, and right now he sits in session at his Father's right hand, interceding for the saints, interceding for you and you and me. And then he's going to return in triumphant glory. He's going to come back and make everything new forevermore. Amen? This is awesome news. And because of this, you know it, Sin, death, and the devil, what? No longer have the final word. And neither does brokenness and fear and shame and guilt and discouragement and despair. Those are powerful, but they do not win. Do you hear me, church? They do not win. Now, there you are standing on that dusty road. Can you see yourself standing there? And there's a crowd behind you. And that crowd is now quiet. And they're curious. And they are, their eyes are boring holes through you and Jesus. And Jesus is standing right there in front of you child what do you want me to do for you how can I help what do you need what would be your answer at that moment When that counselor asked me to go to this passage, 
and discern what my answer would be should Jesus ask me this question. You need to know, I spent the next three or four days in tears, wrecked. In a little cabin out in the middle of nowhere with Krista, patient, And I'm, I'm crying, tears, I'm wrestling with grief and shame and fear and discouragement, and I'm looking in the Word of God for answers. Lord, how do, how do I answer you? What do I say? And I'm praying, and I'm asking my dear Krista, what, what might you recommend? She says, this is your job, not mine. And I would, I would propose various answers to her. Well, what about this? What about that? That makes sense. Or, no, that's too superficial. Ask big, it's Jesus. Amen. <laughs> and I want to tell you Maybe this is what you need to do as well. What do you want me to do for you, child? And maybe now is the time for you to hole up somewhere and just devour the scriptures, search through it, ask trusted people around you, weep, mourn, wail, deal with grief, deal with shame, just lay it all before him and ask him for help to know how to answer his very question to you so that it's not something simple, too simple, too superficial, too easy, but that something that's meaningful and means something for you, means something for who you are and where you're going and how you live. I urge you to enter into the throes of that kind of wrestling match before God and in the word and with trusted people and you come up with an answer. Perhaps these four things will help. You might write these down. In fact, I, I would encourage you to do so. Perhaps these four learnings would help you as you're in this process. Here's number one. Here's number one. Press God for mercy. Press him for mercy. Press this Jesus for mercy, remember what Bartimaeus did. Son of David, have mercy on me. You, son of David, have mercy on me. This prayer is one of the most beautiful, simple, tested prayers in all of Christendom. Going back to this very moment on the western edges of Jericho when a blind man shouts it to Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. This past summer, I was away for a while, and I had a chance to revisit this prayer. I hadn't thought about it in quite a while, but it, it, it kind of came before me, and so I thought, oh, you know, I need to sit in this here some this summer. And, and so one day, I decided to take it and write it down multiple times. I grabbed a pencil, I grabbed some paper, I'm gonna write this down. Do you remember the old school discipline when you get in trouble in, in, in elementary school or middle school or high school or college or whatever, and they, they say, you know, write, write this down a hundred times or whatever it is. Remember that? Any of you have to do something like that? Yeah, I see a bunch of hands. So one day, uh, I'm in uh, seventh grade at Carnes Middle School, 
and I am running down the hallway and I am sprinting and I go around the corner and right there is the principal. Of course, Matthew, you're running. Yeah, uh, yes, sir, I am. W what are you doing this for? Why are you running? I don't know. I'm just running like a jackrabbit down the hall. He goes, great, you can write that 100 times on that chalkboard right there so you won't do it anymore. So I go in with the chalk in hand and the, you know, this old school green chalkboard. I am running. I will not run like a jackrabbit down the hall 100 times. Why did I add jackrabbit? That just makes longer words here. <laughs> but on this particular day in the summer, I took a pencil and some paper and I wrote out well over 100 times. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. I told this to Krista later. She's like, that is so strange. Why would you do that? But it's not so I can have some rabbit's foot moment with this phrase. Here's why. So it would become my default. So that it would be my quick response to whatever the challenge is, that it would be so infused into my soul that, that, that when the moment comes and I am despairing over whatever it might be, my instant default, the muscle memory now is, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Press God for mercy. Lord, I'm discouraged. Lord, I'm down. Lord, I'm sitting on the curb in the shadows, a pebble in the pathway. Would you be merciful to me? Show me your mercy. Number two, number two, believe Jesus, believe him. Now, in our church family, boy, we know the scriptures. We are so good with theology. We know the history of the Bible, and, and we could tell you all kinds of stories about Father, Son, and Spirit. And many of us listening to my voices are actually born-again Christians. Praise God. But... We don't believe Jesus day to day, that he can be powerful in our lives, that he is good in our lives, that he is faithful in our lives, and that he wants to restore daily, renew daily our very lives. We don't believe this well enough. And we need to believe him. We need to not just trust him for the big things, but believe him for the moments, and especially the moments that are just hard. We need to believe he's good, and he loves us. There's this verse in Isaiah 43, verse 4. It's incredible, where God says, you are precious in my sight, and I love you. Do you hear that, church? God is saying this. There on that dusty road, the reason Jesus calls Bartimaeus, hey, can you bring him up here? The reason he calls Bartimaeus up to him, the reason he calls you up to him to stand there is because you are precious in his sight and he loves you. Praise God, give it up for our Lord. And that's why he then says, what do you want me to do for you? By believing, now Bartimaeus, he expressed so much rich faith. 
He believed that the son of David, this Jesus, this Christ, he believed so much that it fueled his persistence, and he believed so much that it allowed him to receive what Jesus would give him. And we need to believe on that level, that it makes us persistent because he cares and he loves me, and, and it, it makes me receive what he gives because he's good, and he knows what's best. Number three, own your answer. Own it. There's Bartimaeus. Jesus asked the question, and Bartimaeus didn't miss a beat. I'd like to see. I'd like to have my sight. Are you willing to own an answer? I mean, own it. So after those few days of just wrestling and wondering, with resolve. I had an answer. So Krista and I go, and we sit down in front of the counselor. And very kindly, he says to me, he says, so Matthew, you went and you went to Jericho and you stood there before Jesus. And he looked you in the eye and he said, what do you want me to do for you? How did you respond, Matthew? And I said to him, strengthen my heart. Because my heart is tired. And my heart is broken. And I got a lot to do. I got a big responsibility and I need strength for my heart and I owned it and Jesus has been faithful no matter what come what may he has been faithful he has been faithful to answer that and to give me strength for a tired heart and I don't know what your answer will be I don't know if it'll be something great or small, something material, or mental, or emotional, or spiritual, or relational. I don't know what your answer will be, but once the time comes and you know what it is, own it and tell him, Lord Jesus, here's what I want you to do for me, and watch him work powerfully, because that's who he is. Number four, lastly, Take what he gives to you and follow him. Whatever it is you've asked, trust him to provide. You take it and you follow him. Go with him. Walk with him. Trust him. He's got you. Would you stand with me, church? Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this Jesus. Jesus, thank you so much for seeing us and hearing us. Holy Spirit, thank you for moving even right now and giving us a word in season. Jesus, you asked, Show me what to say. Give me an answer. Because I'm trusting you right now 
to bear your power and your authority to provide for me what it is I need. Show me what it is. May it be clear. May I have resolve. May I own it. May I trust you. And then when you provide, may I take it and follow you.